Happy Tuesday, everybody. This is uh, the place to listen to the greatest and granddaddy of all disaster films, 1970 Ross Hunter production of Airport. Uh, here on the Airport Minute, I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of covertops.tv. And we have a wonderful special guest continuing with us. He's 23 hours older, but here we are, Chuck Goldstone. I am delighted to be here, and, and uh, I can be... Viewed from 40,000 feet at uh, terribleadvice.com, just to mention that, and Ridiculous 2 Sublime, with 2 being the number 2, because I don't have enough keys on the on my keyboard to not do it that way. So, hello. It's, it's, it's fun to be back here, um, essentially a day later. Um, so much has happened since last we spoke. Oh, that's good. Well... <laughs> Uh, we didn't. None of us won the Mega Millions, as far as I know, because we're all still here. But uh, we, right. uh, we, we, oh, I'd do this even if I had a million bucks, Jim. You're awesome. You're just plain, plain old awesome. But uh, we're still following the uh, crumbling marriage of uh, Mel and Cindy Bakersfeld, and uh, helpful Tanya, who uh, just wants to be there for poor Mel, is. Uh, explaining some cheerful news that they uh, found a stowaway from the Los Angeles flight. And uh, she'll be coming in uh, to chat with them because it makes four for the month that they've had in stowaways. I, As she was saying that, I was trying to figure out, did they really have that big a stowaway problem in 1970 with that many people being able to sneak on planes to one airport? To, you know, this is the, you know, the mythical Lincoln International. Did, was the average four a month? And plus, she's looking a little manic when she comes through the door and starts giggling. Well, she was she was trying to suck she it had in a for cough syrup. Yeah, in the, in the next room, she was a little wound up. But I think she was just trying to put on a happy face for yeah. poor Mel, who put on a manic face for Mel. Yeah. Mel likes me happy. <laughs> and, and and poor and, Mel. And, and and of course, uh, we have a major breach of of airline security by someone breaking onto an entire airplane. So, where should we interrogate them? Let's do it in the room with a fireplace. <laughs> Let's, would you Let's like, set a mood. Would you like some tea? Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really quite, you know, quite get that. But it's obviously this is obviously in the Midwest where they're where they're a lot more polite. I yeah. guess. Yeah. They just you know they treat stowaways with with dignity. I, I mean, it was either this or taking her to the IHOP and getting her, you know, some uh, Rudy Tooty uh, rich and fruity waffles or something. It just was. It's just very odd. Waterboarding that... hadn't been invented yet, I don't think. Well, and this is in suburban Chicago, so I would assume they would have turned them over to the good graces of the Chicago PD to uh, handle all the uh, festivities. <laughs> yeah, to taser a bit to get some answers out. <laughs> well, of that hadn't been invented, but there was, you know, the, there was the uh, Billy Club, so right. it wouldn't serve the purposes of the uh, story to be told. Mm-hmm. So here, here we are at the executive lounge of uh, uh, Transglobal. And look at the way Bert's holding that cigarette. He, he's a man who knows how to uh, use it as a baton. As a, as a <laughs> exactly, he's, exactly. He's conducting his life. Yeah, this is. I just every time I I see that interaction, you know, I think that uh, he's going to be spending a lot of time at the airport waiting for disasters to happen so he doesn't <laughs> go home. Yeah. Well, yeah, as you were saying uh, yesterday, that this is this is the scene where he says, "I, I look for excuses not to go home." Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that he's, I, yeah, I, I think he's considering for the first time. You know, maybe I get the impression he would move to another city if he if he could. If they yeah. had a nice airport. Yeah. Well, but uh, he won't do it because there is he can't find an airport that doesn't have a fireplace. Right. Uh, right. Next to his office. I'm I'm still puzzled 
you know, by by that. Uh, yeah. Miami, that's a sweat box. I'm not going there. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it's uh, he wanted someplace nice and cool. He, he actually could have moved to Anchorage, as his uh, brother-in-law was explaining. They got twice as much snow as uh, Lincoln, so I think he'd be in his element there. You know, I had a chance to really think about the, you know, the architecture of that airport, that we have that small office where he makes his phone calls, and then we have, you know, something that's called what is it, the Commodore's Lounge, or you know, well, there's the there's the command the Commander's Club on the on the other side. Okay, and which, then we have which, that middle ground. Whom is there, you know, first class ambassador? Club. Yeah, it's the the people with the cards, the, the people that have their. Is that what in the middle for? I don't get. It's the one with the fireplace. So, I, I, is it is it his office? Is it the? I mean, what is that room? I saw this where the 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 airport executives. Hang out, Jim. What do well, you but, think? But, well, it's not like, airport this... executive. This is within an air. Like this is when she when he walked through that front door a couple of minutes ago. He walked through the front door of TGA customer service. Oh. And, and so this is a TGA. That. That's a transglobal. And I'm assuming that since we have Continental, Delta, American, Northwest, they're all they each in have... there. They each have their own fireplace. There's so, fireplaces yeah. all over that airport. It's a, yeah. It's a... It must look. No like... wonder there's global warming today. It's well, a fire trap. It really is. I'm picturing <laughs> right. it looks like, if you remember the old opening of the, I mean, we're really dating ourselves here, but the old opening of the Walt Disney Davy Crockett series where they showed a bunch of log cabins with uh, with smoke pouring out of the out of the chimneys. It must look like that from from the gates. If you're looking, you know, you climb onto your, uh, onto your airplane and you look out the window and all you're going to see are chimneys with smoke rolling out of them from all the well, different let's, airports. Let's... Let's think of this from an airline safety thing. Do you want to be flying as a pilot into an area where there's just billows of clouds of, of soot and smoke hanging over the place where you're supposed to land? Yeah, it must look and like most a of that fire. is from Petroni's cigar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And astonishingly, well, you know, again, it's it, serving the purpose of the, the movie. Might as well have mm-hmm. some interesting background because where she would actually be interrogated would probably be in a a cinder block room with no windows and just uh, enamel paint on the walls. So this makes for a, for a better cinematography from uh, Mr. Laszlo. Yeah, it's, it is very odd that they would walk her in. And I didn't understand what they, like the way to what they were going to do with her. Like they said, they weren't going to lock up an old lady, but. But that's you know, actually put, in a future scene. It's not in this one. No, that's, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. But, but well, it, we haven't even met who the stowaway is yet. Yeah. We, right. we just, we, 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 but they certainly have to plan for how do you deal with someone who is, you know, a stowaway. And the only two places right. I've ever heard in the last 25 years stowaway is that and on the, uh, I think, Gilligan's Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'd be, or yeah, somebody that accidentally went to the moon or something like that and climbed in the back of a spaceship. It's just, but I wouldn't think that the natural thing to do is that you have the power of, you know, like she's brought in by a custodian of the airline. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have policing powers that you can, you know, lock somebody up. Or... They do have the right to give her coffee and sandwiches, though. Yes. Yeah, that's... uh she doesn't get a phone call. I would think she would call her daughter. It's probably a sliding scale of interrogation rooms. It's like if you're, you know, a teenager, it's an office. If you're in your 30s, it's a back room, you know, custodial closet. And if you're over 80, they bring you into the executive lounge to ask you questions. Well, actually, or that or directly to a hospice. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. right. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe that's the airport hospice. That may very well be, but isn't this the scene where we also discover that the plane has been driven into a into a big snow pile? Is that is this the minute? 
Yes. No. No. This was right at the at the beginning. We were yeah. we we were finding See, out about that. Yeah. So now they're dealing with the aftermath in this yep. scene. Well, you know, what I, when he's on the phone, before he gets out there, he can't tell his employees apart. It was, hello, Joe? Oh, Harry. Yeah, I, that's right. I, I don't... Do you normally... His mind is still phone? in his marital hell. That's do, what that is. Do you pick up the phone, and before you hear anybody say anything, try to guess who it is? <laughs> hello, Mark? No. <laughs> no. It's no, it's Jim. Jim. Yeah, this is before yeah before caller ID. Well, the well the other thing is is why is he answering Tanya's phone? That is, I mean, this is not his desk. This is not and, his office, and he's picking up the phone saying, "Hello, yeah. Joe." It's, it's like Mel's no airport. He can pick is, up yeah. any white phone anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah. If you're the general manager, you know all all phones are mine. Yep. Yeah, and you get as many sandwiches as you want. And yeah, it's it's like you know, this is the chief operating officer of tra Trans Global. Can I speak to whoever I'm going to fire for letting you answer a Trans Global phone? It's uh, yeah, it's just very peculiar. But that's you know, again, it it all serve it's all in service of the plot, right? Which is is just rolling along, and we are still in. I I was trying to figure out that this movie is heavy on exposition, so we. We talk through. There's a lot of talking going on. We've just revealed that there's a stowaway, so so that's going to be a major plot point coming up. And well, we still have the problem of of an airplane being being embedded in the snow, and they they I don't think they're dealing with that problem with a level of severity that uh, I would think if you're if you have an airplane blocking an entire runway, I would think there would be a little bit more I don't know attention. <laughs> yeah, and wouldn't there also be, since he is the general manager of the entire airport, I mean, he has to do everything from, you know, make sure that there's baggage handlers to make sure mm -hmm. that the lights work and the toilets flush and all that other jazz. Why are they bothering getting him out there to help, you know, figure out, well, we're going to we're gonna do something about moving the plane off the runway? Well, there t the first thing that struck me is that if you have a pilot who while on the ground drives an entire airplane into snow, this is probably not the pilot that you're going to want to be in that same airplane when it is in the, well, let me technical here, air. Yeah. I, right. I would think that this is, this is, you know, the very, when they send you to, to plane driving school, the first thing they say is don't drive the plane into the snow. <laughs> That's the first rule. Even before you get off the ground. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting is there have been several recent cases of airline pilots landing at the wrong airport. Wrong airport. One just re recently it landed at a, at a military yeah. <laughs> field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how do you but how it, do you talk your way out of that? I don't know. And then we we get to the air. You know, he finally drives out in his little station wagon. Yeah, this the, thing uh, the looks like, there. It looks like a field in Idaho. I mean, it's. And they have six guys trying to dig out. I mean, this is not my front yard. This is this. Is, they have six it's guys. A, I, yeah, it's, like, it's a 200,000 pound airplane, yes. and they've got to get get this thing out of the way. And they're all using hand shovels. shovels. Yes. Do they? I I remember this the 60s, and my dad in New Jersey had a snowblower. I think the thing that you would bring in is not shovels, but you'd get about. 10 or 12 snowblowers that you've used to clean off the sidewalks mm -hmm. and blow the snow either side. It's not packed in front of it. It's only packed behind it. So either that I'd... or, or a truck with a plow on it. And I, but you know, I, and you know, my advice would be if I, you know, were part of the airplane or airport board, I would say, let's get rid of a couple of the fireplaces and buy a plow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
maybe that's just me, but that's one of the things that perhaps I would consider. Yeah, it's you know, and you'd miss that. You'd miss that fireplace, though. I yeah. I or you take burning embers from the fireplace and just bring right. them out and spread them <laughs> to melt snow. I mean, there are so many gonna... things they could have done, but but they didn't. But no, it's but you know they they will go and ask everyone that you know the pilots who apparently seem to think that they know how to op how to operate and dump you know get the planes up. I mean, they brought they asked uh, Mel's brother-in-law. He had a great idea of how to get move, move the plane out, or he's, he he thinks he has uh, a great plan that he's going to come out and tell Mel how to uh, how to move this giant airplane. That's which where is, we jack it up and then we just drive it off. Yeah, it's. I, I didn't uh, I didn't understand that how that works. But first of all, if you have Dean Martin as your pilot, you know he's alcohol impaired. Yeah, you, you can just tell when he walked off the plane that he was just, you know, sipping a little more than maybe he should have before the flight. Well, he's yeah, I mean, he, he's going in to offer advice to a guy who doesn't know how to, you know, th- there's nobody in that cockpit that knows how to get a plane off the uh, off the snowbank. Especially, especially a, a profession that actually drove the plane into the snow bank. Yeah, so, yeah. It's. Uh, I I noticed that the uh, the engineer seems to have left already. We don't. You know, he's he's like, I'm out of here. You you guys figure out what you're gonna do. But they they kind of kind of left him off. And isn't it strange that I mean, this can't have been the first snowfall in the history of Lincoln International Airport that the guy, his assistant, or I'm I'm assuming that's well, that's Jack, the the guy that's uh, that he comes out to talk to. So they've got Jack, Joe, and Harry at least. And none of them seem to have the ability. And and then there's Danny back at the uh, at the snow desk itself. None of them seem to have conquered any kind of idea of how to move a plane off of snow, which this can't be the first time this has happened. Well, and the other thing is it was like five or six feet of snow. Didn't somebody look out the window when you got maybe your first eight inches and said, you know, maybe we should clear this before it becomes, I don't know, five feet of snow. I don't think they're well. I don't think I would I would take a look at who's sitting at the snow desk. (laughs) And maybe think that I made a hiring mistake. Well, it's it's if if we went back to Danny at the snow desk, I think we'd have to have another montage of him and his, his you know wife. crumbling marriage. Yeah, yes. yes, Danny the surfer boy. Yeah, he's uh he just I don't I don't know what he's doing back there in that in that snow desk, but it can't be any good. I mean, he has a job as, as the, you know as a guy who sits behind a desk and tells other people how to shovel snow, and he still can't do his job because he has to call his boss to tell uh, you know to tell him that there's trouble. And and when they finally all meet and they discuss it, the conclusion is we're going to need more men. Yeah, <laughs> right. it took it took the executives at the air. It's like. You know what it reminds me? It's it might you might as well say we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah, exactly. And and the only guy to do it has the night off. I, so uh, <laughs> really, the planning is not is not great at Lincoln International. So this is not this is, you. If you have a flight coming into Lincoln International, I would say divert to O'Hare. No matter you know, no matter how crowded it is. Yeah, it, it, even if you have to take three other other flights to get where you want to go, avoid just. Avoid uh, South Chicago at all costs. Although, although on you know, to be fair, if you're going to be stranded at an airport, you want to be stranded at an airport that has a fireplace. Yeah, that's that, true. Yeah, and and that's... sandwiches with the edges. <laughs> sandwiches cut off. with the yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bottomless coffee pots. Exactly. Wow. Well, I think we've beaten this minute to death. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we put it on? Uh, 
why don't we put it on tape and ship it out to the audience? Right. And uh, we'll come Goodbye, back. We'll come back, to, we'll, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow with uh, with some more discussions. Actually, we're going to have the big uh, Vern tells how to get an airplane out of the snow, or his idea of how to get an airplane out of the snow. So that'll be a, an intriguing discussion. His idea so, how to get an airplane out of the snow after three martinis. Yes, <laughs> I got it. I got it right here. So uh, let me show yeah, you it, something. <laughs> Maybe he can use that that weird device that we saw back at uh, Gwen's uh, kitchen. That that could be the secret snow destroyer that we've been wondering about. But let's 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 put that on on the table for tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, please, if you have some comments, if you have thoughts on how to move a two hundred thousand two hundred thousand pound airplane out of a snowbank, or if you have bank, an extra snow shovel. Yeah, just, my aunt. Uh, knows, I have an aunt who knows how to do that. Awesome! Right. Wow. Well, and don't us. forget to leave. Don't forget to leave the chairs out once you have your the the hole cut out, so nobody parks there after you remove the <laughs> right. So, uh, but you can visit us on uh, social media and tell us all your ideas. Uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Airport Minute. We're also on Facebook. It's called Airport Minute. Uh, you can visit our big big website at airportminute.com. And uh, if you want to get these podcasts delivered straight to your mobile device every day, Monday through Friday, you can join us at iTunes. Look for Airport Minute. And please, if you get a chance, leave us a great uh, review of our podcast, because the more that you leave good reviews, more people come and listen to us, and then more people leave comments, and eventually we'll find the best way to get a 707 out of a snow. Review with your heart. That's all yes. I'm going to say. Uh, re- uh, review all, all to the right and the more stars the better so uh, anyway join us tomorrow and on Wednesday uh, in the meantime good day bye bye nice going sweetheart remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling mm-hmm.